Bonjour, Life Spark Labs. It's Claire. Welcome on the Integrally Alive podcast and thanks for listening. Here we explore stories, wisdom and tools for transforming resistance into resilience, quitting stress and living the life you choose. So today I'm with a free spirit woman who used her life story as fuel to build the life and business she loves. Her life today is full of traveling, connecting and supporting others. She's a leadership coach and a woman's burnout and resilience mentor. She helps driven entrepreneurs and professionals who work remotely and kind of feel that they love their way to create their own having it all. Her motto, trust the process while hacking your work-life flow. And you can find more on her website, sylviajagla.com. But for now, please welcome Sylvia Jagla. Hi, Sylvia. Hello, thank you so, so much for having me. I'm beyond excited that we are talking today with each other. Yeah, I'm super excited for this conversation today. I know it's going to be juicy and you have such a powerful story to tell and to learn from. So I'm really excited for that. And this episode is the first of two episodes. So this one will be on Sylvia's story of resilience. So today, we're going to talk about crisis, about pushing through, about resilience, being lost, being weird, and finding your way through life. Let's dive in. So, Sylvia, what's your story? What did you learn from it? And I know there are many chapters to that story, so <laughs> you begin where you want. <laughs> I can begin where I want. Um, so yeah, maybe just a short overview for everyone who doesn't know me, who am I and uh, what am I doing right now? So um, it's basically, it's been a long journey and like I've, we've met each other a few weeks ago and I think that just the decision to realize that life is happening for you and not to you can actually change a whole view on exactly what you've mentioned about the resistance into resilience. So um, I've had a kind of challenging childhood. I think many people can resonate with that. Um, I became half orphan at the age of six, and this has been the beginning of a shattering and very, very challenging journey um, for quite a long time with lots of lots of ups and downs, mainly down, down, downs until <laughs> the deepest down, you know, when you just think, okay, now it's enough. When you just think enough is enough and you are just like done with fighting and you just start to creating. Um, I think this is maybe the journey from my point of view where I just, after lots of lots of things happened, um, I, one day, I think, not to lie, it was one of the summer days, um, actually quite a while ago in Bavaria. It, I grew up in a small village next to the Alps, very beautiful, very see, like close to nature, all what you need to be happy from my point of view today. But back then I had kind of challenges and we would find ourselves um, on this beautiful summer day without money for some food. I screwed up my whole plan a little bit, you know, when you plan from week to week and you live from week to week with mm. getting money for food. I screwed up one day and, <laughs> you know, you just open your wallet and you say, 
holy guacamole. No, it's like, oh, oh, what am I going to do now? Um, and there was no family around, no people around, and I had to solve the situation. And this was the moment and the day where I just really figured out for myself, like, this is enough is enough. I want to create now the whole abundance, like the whole abundance for my brother and for myself. We were living alone and I created it. And that was the day where I just broke everything and just thought, okay, dear universe, get ready. Okay, so that was a condensed version of a very long story, actually. I know there's many, many chapters. And as you said, it was down, 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 down until bottom and up. Like, like a lot of times, right? We, a lot of time we go down and down. And then one day we, we decide, okay, this is the bottom. This is enough. So the whole uh, process is interesting. What were the challenges? Uh, and then we will see when we will dive into this moment where what happens when you decide this is the bottom and, and going up. But first, what were the challenges you were facing and until that day where you, where you shifted? Mm -hmm. um, so one of the biggest challenges was actually along the way that um, I just felt alone, like the deep loneliness not in a way because today i can tell you when i'm alone i don't feel lonely yes because there are two different things about that part so i felt deeply lonely and the reason for that was that obviously my dad did his best as a single father young young adult um, but he created and lived his life as well and there was nobody around me because we went from poland to germany mm taste uh, for everyone who is uh, <laughs> who understands Polish so I'm still fluent in Polish so we went from Poland to Germany and I would end up there completely alone um, without my grandmother she was my mom after my mom died without anybody except my dad and my little brother and how old and were you back then I was seven exactly so i was almost seven when my mom died and i was seven when i moved from poland to germany and what happened then there is that i was you know the the weirdo so it was not that mm. i was alone without my whole security net without my family the people mm -hmm. who would take care of me but i would also find myself at school german school without a word of german zero nobody there nobody literally nobody at school i could talk with mm. except some teacher who would speak a language i don't get them at all can you <laughs> imagine that and i was was looking like uh, and my best friend we are friends now for almost 30 years she's still laughing about it because i came there like a girl from poland with a dog you know i had like here like a red i was just looking different and yes. you know just the way how you look it was just different from the other kids yeah. So I was literally made for being the weirdo. But I didn't realize it at the beginning, right? You know, as a kid, you have a different perspective. So what I had um, after my mom died, I would even ask the teacher in Poland if she would like to become my mom. I just mm. wanted to cover and get a mom. And then I moved to Germany and nobody knew my story, right? So they didn't know that I don't have a, in Poland. Mm -hmm. Everybody was aware of it at school at the first class. But when I went to Germany, they didn't know my background. So it was like you're starting from zero. And um, 
there was a teacher and she was super nice and super friendly. And she would ask me almost every single day to start to read in front of the class in order to push me and mm. allow me to see that I can do it. So yeah. she was actually a very huge influence that I started to believe in myself. And she was encouraging me and, you know, being so kind and gentle and helped me to get out of it. But the loneliness came that I was sitting next to a guy and he had, by the way, I learned it way much later. He had his own problems and he started to punch me to get his own aggressivity, fear, and all the mm -hmm. stuff that he got back at home because I was the easiest victim, right? I was, yeah, sure. I was very, very small, <laughs> very, very thin. <laughs> and I couldn't say anything to anybody. So I was the easiest victim. Oh, you were the perfect victim. Exactly. So, and I was sitting next to him, like, but nowadays you can understand, I can understand that everybody who you meet is meant to be your teacher in one way or another way. So back then he would punch me and I just then um, changed the places without asking anybody because I couldn't talk, right? Yeah. I was just shocked why someone is just beating me, you know, and I just was so many things were happening around me and this little buddy with this very, very young mind that um, I started to create lots of lots of challenges within me, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, we are actually have a kind of parallel story because um, when my father died, I was changed from another school to another one. And so I was the weird kid as well. And I can totally understand how you can be really lonely, even if you're not alone, you're surrounded, but you're just the weird kid. No one really understands what's, what's up with you. And um, actually, I think especially in our society today it's really easy to be the weird one actually and it's kind of funny because we uh, we admire people to show up in their wetness and i mean look at all the uh, the stars and actresses and so on they are weird but they are owning this you know they are showing it to the world so we're admiring them but then at the same time most people are like oh, I, I don't want to be weird i don't want to be that one or Yes, because this this point of living has two different sides, right? There are the lovers and the haters. There's not much in between. So when you go with the whole mainstream, you are most likely kind of going under the radar, if that makes sense. But if you stand for something, for being the weirdo, and by the way, I'm being the weirdo is a, a one of the things what I just love, and everybody asks me, so what is your tribe? Mm -mm. Well, I am I'm belonging everywhere and nowhere today, to be quite frank. So <laughs> I'm many, many tribes and I'm mostly my tribe by myself. And I love to be with people, you know that. I mean, we met each other actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I was then, you know, after I learned um, German and was able to participate, I had my best friend, we got friends within a few weeks. And um, then I was the cool kid. You know, like seriously, the, one of the coolest and even as a teenager, um, I would stand up for those who were the weirdos mm. and got beat up by some others. And I was, you know, I don't even know how it's called in, in English, but when you, you're the speaker of the class. So I was the speaker of the class and I would always stand up for the people because first of all, I knew how it is. And the second thing is I couldn't understand why you cannot accept someone who is just different. Mm -hmm. Like 
why the heck is not someone allowed? As long as you don't beat me up, as long as you don't hurt me, as long as it doesn't, uh, you know, impact me in any way, except that I might think, okay, I wouldn't do that, but it's still your life. I've never ever could understand that we kind of beat up people who are living up their truth and living a life true to themselves and not to others. So I did this as a teenager and many people would ask me, so what's wrong with you? And it's like, man, I don't care if I'm now in this group, you know what I mean? Like the mm. skater girl with the baggies. And you know, really I was skating for quite a long time with guys. And I said, yeah, no, I don't mind if someone is wearing the heels and I just have my chucks. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just the openness and the, the kindness and the respect towards each other, no matter where you're coming from and no matter how you look like, because you never know where someone is coming from and what they are working yeah. through right now, internally or sometimes even externally. And during traveling, I had the honor to meet so many people and even myself I got challenged all the time last time in Brazil I was standing and I was supposed to meet Jimmy our friend right Jimmy and the rain and I was supposed to meet him in Porto de Galinhas and there was a guy and he was looking really completely different and he looked at me and I was like and I knew that we're gonna meet another friend of him so mm -hmm. and you know like <clears throat> we are judging unconsciously sometimes so I called myself and I, you know, the first thought, oh, he is like different, but there was nothing more. And then I'm going to the table and then he's sitting next to me and he said, yeah, I saw you. And I said, I saw you as well. But he thought like, what this girl, you know, like dressed up and all this stuff. And <laughs> it was like, we didn't match. We didn't match externally. Yeah. And you know what happened? Like we had, we catched up afterwards. It was such an amazing connection between the two of us. So no matter what you see, be aware of it, that there is a whole different world behind it in, in, in every single direction. This is my biggest learning, even though I just think sometimes different, interesting. So and interesting can be one or the other, yes. right? <laughs> but I, I'm always happy to discover and get surprised, you know, and have the courage to go for it and just ask, hey, and who are you? What are you about? And just, you know, not to go only for what, I is kind of matching my way of living, but yes. also how can we look? And this is what is traveling about to look at different ways and just question your assumptions all the time and open your eyes. Yeah, totally. And I, I love when we are okay with our wetness, we realize everyone is just weird <laughs> in our own way. We're all weird. And when you can own that, you can actually allow other people to own that for them too. And you meet at another level that it's much more vulnerable, but it's much more authentic too. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so you finally learned German and you became the cool kid in town. So what's the, but that wasn't the moment, that wasn't the, the bottom yet. So what? No, so um, <laughs> so while being the cool kid, actually, I had, um, you know, my my dad was living his life the way he lived, and I had the idea of a living a life I wanted to live, and I was, I think I've been the free spirit forever. I think there was never ever a different version of myself. So I left home at the age of sixteen. Mm. What was the first um, part of realizing? the loneliness 
And when you're the cool kid, you just let everybody listen. I have a whole apartment for myself and everybody. Everybody is going to show up because they want to have the party. No parents, <laughs> nobody who's caring about what's happening, right? But you have, again, lots of people around you. Um, but I have to say, it's, it, it's not, it, it wasn't a party like it sounds. So I had to work, I started to work as, um, at a cafe in town. I had to earn the money for the apartments, for food. Um, it was the beginning of being adult and responsible for my whole life at the age of 16. So yeah, you were working um, and studying full time. At the age of, no, I was at school and was um, a waitress on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, you were a student full time and you were working on top of that to yes. living. So that's a, that's a lot when you were 16. Yeah. Yes, seven days per week for quite a while, actually mm. for four years or so. Yeah. Um, so, and then my, at the age of 18, my brother would came to me um, and I was going to live with you by myself. Yes. Again, this was one of the this was one of the challenges where you can just either completely make it or break it. Mm. I mean, I think there was nothing in between. So, of course, a lot of pressure on me, like a lot of pressure to make this happen financially, educationally, and the most important part, mentally, mm. because my brother was a youngster. <laughs> and if you know any youngster, I mean, just by nature, you have lots of emotions. You know what I mean? Like lots of hormones. It's like nature, by nature, getting, becoming, <laughs> or actually just growing up, let's maybe call it like that. So we had, I had really challenging times to make it happen for him. And um, yes, there was the one day where we, you know, I opened just uh, trying to get back into the situation how it was in, in order to just give you my own perspective right mm -hmm. because there are different truths about every single event in this world. Yeah. Um, so I opened up the post and then I just read the letter about <laughs> you have to leave the apartment in four weeks and I was like what wow I know the whole a long story. I yeah. got under pressure to find an apartment for my brother and myself. Back then, I was still a student working as a waitress, and he was a student. I don't know how it is in this world, but at least in Germany, they wouldn't give you an apartment mm -hmm. without having any kind of papers that you can pay the rent. Yeah. So lots of stuff uh, going on. I had to talk with many people. And finally, I was managing uh, to get an apartment for us. And it was a flat. It was like, a, do you know, the cellar apartments? It was like, you know, not the oh, first. Like not underground, the, yeah. Underground, because it, it was literally the cellar. It was the only thing that I could afford. And can you imagine once again the, the weirdo? <laughs> but back, back then, I owned my being the weirdo. Yeah in such a way that everybody just loved me because I am me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was not about what I'm doing, but I yeah. am me. And for my brother, it was pretty challenging at the beginning. So I encouraged him to own it as well, because it is not by choice. And it's not about life is happening, not to us, but for mm -hmm. us. So we just gonna do and manage it and take the responsibility now for it and make the best out of it. So there was never the victim um, mode on. Yeah. It was, I had, of course, my days where I would just 
really like, for example, I had sometimes only the Saturdays of half day, I would just lie in my bed and sleep yeah. to kind of recover. And there was only the, the, the only time where I could just buy some food for us. So anyway, lots of, lots of stuff was going on. I had to mm. manage and deal with the many things, but a big, big part of um, my whole story was when my grandma passed away and I felt this was probably the time where I just thought, okay, maybe I'm going to just leave this earth because there's nobody here mm. anymore who is uh, loving me unconditionally or supporting me in any way mm -hmm. because I had to take care of my brother, right? So this shattered my whole world, but in such a way that I felt into a deep depression. So I was basically functioning in order to make sure because without any money, we would be the two of us homeless. Yeah. And how can I not give him food? So I have to work in order to get the money because the other option would be to get unemployed in Germany and you would get some social fare from mm -hmm. the government. But look at me, like, you know what I mean? I mean, it's not going to happen. They told me this and I said, like, are you kidding me? So you're now actually really advising me to get unemployed in order to get money from you? <laughs> <laughs> no way. Like, seriously, I, there is, I think, um, and to go through a almost almost 12 months deep depression um, in my life because I felt guilty that I couldn't save her. I had regrets that I haven't had so much time for her because I was, you know, really fighting and struggling in my life. Yeah. Um, and when I saw her, it was just so painful to see her dying because she was such an amazing, and I think she is the biggest part of the line in me. <laughs> you know, she always, always, my first memory, the one where you just achieve something, your first victory, your biggest accomplishment yeah. in life came from her. Mm. She gave, gave me a topic to do, and then she celebrated with me like hell after I got it. Um, and it was very hard for me to, you know, and I made also some decisions back then because when I was a child, they made me to look at my mom when she was not alive anymore, right? And when my grandma died, I know that I don't want to do that. But this is like a, a tradition in mm -hmm. Poland. So they force you to go there. And I refused. And I re was fighting with my whole family and just told them, listen, I'm an adult now. I'm earning my own money. I have my own apartment. I'm here with my own car. And nobody on this planet will make me do something what I know is not right for me. Mm -hmm. I said goodbye to her. It was like really the classic movie thing. You know, I went to Poland because I worked seven days per week. So I went on a Friday night, drove 10 hours to Poland, arrived there in the morning, Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. Said goodbye to her. And then she left this earth physically. And I also made sure that my brother doesn't have to do it. You know, I think we, in our society, we have so many, you have to, and the musts, and we don't open up the space to, for people to take responsibility for themselves and mm. say no to things, what they know it's not good for them and accept it. So I had back then really huge fight with the family that I don't go there, that it's like the tradition and you have to like many, many things. And after that, it was like, um, yeah, one year kind of deep depression just to function seven days per week. Um, and after that, I think 
I started to celebrate. So this is like the, the natural way of, you know, first of all, you're just deep down and then you start to push it away. So you don't want to feel it. Yeah, <laughs> so I started, yeah. Exactly. So I just started to deny everything and started to celebrate, had like the, on the outside, perfect life. Uh, with oh, I guess what you mean. Okay. Celebrating the sense of, I call it happy face, actually, like a mask of, I'm happy. Everything is fine. Exactly. Then exactly. If you could take off the mask behind that, everything is going to pieces. Mm. Yes, because all my friends, nobody could understand what's going on with me. And at some point, I couldn't understand myself. Well, and yeah, like, that was no, so it's much. I mean, it's, you were facing a lot of things. And that's what I was telling uh, the, some chapters because, okay, losing your mother is one thing, but then being, uh, going away from home and then your brother comes in. So we're facing a lot of things that usually you face, but later in life. So I get that. Yeah, you couldn't understand what was happening. And I get that around you, your friends were not just at that point at all. That's, uh, that's totally given. Yes. Mm -mm. Exactly. They were living like, you know, you have fun. No, like how it is supposed to be. And this is what I was trying, always trying badly to provide to my brother. Yeah. So, and at some point I, I started to heal. I started really to, to heal in such a way that I made the decision um, that I go now for what I want in life. So um, after the whole way of depression and you know, becoming almost homeless and not having money for food. I mean, how the heck is that possible in Germany? And I couldn't understand the world anymore. And my only thought was, you know what, guys, now I'm coming. Because the deeper you push me, the higher yeah. I'm going to skyrocket. This is basically, yeah, I thought like, no, enough is enough. Yeah. So what happened is that I, and I don't know how to say it, but I had always, always the good in instincts for my intuition. So I was working quite a lot and I didn't, and this is, I'm not, not sure if I, I shared this anywhere, but okay. I mean, it's soft anyway, so it's not a big secret. It's not a deal anymore, but I wouldn't recommend this to any kids. Let's say it maybe in that way. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't graduate it because I was working. And back then, it was very challenging in, in Germany to become an apprenticeship or to go to the next school, studying mm. to the university. Okay. But obviously, yeah. it was not an option for me to go to the university because I wanted to earn money as fast as possible yeah. in order to be able to get out of this living from week to week. Mm -mm. So I had exactly one application. Everybody was freaking out about the whole thing, and I didn't have time because I had to work and to go to school. Actually, I was working more than going to school mm -hmm. because I had to earn the money, and I didn't have any certificates. But I had, I read it in the paper, and I had my application ready, and I didn't have money for you know to send it via post, and they were in town anyway. Oh wow! So it, yeah. I'm in a, in a small village. I mean, it's not—it's not even like Munich. It's like maybe 25. So I thought, okay, I'm just gonna drop the application, mm -hmm. and that's it. So I just went into the whole shop and asked, "Is it still um, available?" And this is here my application. I hope you're gonna consider it. 
And he said, yes, one moment. And then he gave it to the lady who was actually hiring, to the girl, lady who was responsible for it. And then she just looked at me and said, yeah, we can just have the whole interview now. And I said, what? No, <laughs> you know, but I, I didn't know. It was like, and oh, you cannot say no, right? I mean, if you even get the chance to have yeah. it. You, no, you take it. it, yeah. You take it. And, you know, I was like, Oh my God, like the first, do you know when you go on a stage and you have the whole yeah. body reaction? <laughs> and I just went in and just said, like, okay, so we, we cannot screw this up now. It's like your only application. You don't have time for more applications because you have to work. So I sit there and she was asking me all this stuff and I was just me. You know, I didn't have time to prepare. I didn't yeah. have time to, to schedule lots of stuff. I was mm -hmm. just me and I was just honest and, um, she asked me a few things and like, yeah, you know, I, I back then, if I was even back then a badass, you know what I mean? All <laughs> what I and I told her, even though I don't know something, I'm pretty sure I'm going to figure it out and I'm learning super fast. And this is what I was absolutely sure about it. Mm. And when I do something, I do it with my whole heart. And I got the job and you wouldn't believe it. I got the job and it was for me like the first step. Yeah to not go into any directions which will make it even more difficult for mm -hmm. me, but into the direction which was actually the first step into the life I thought back then um, is going to be okay for me. And yeah, I so sent taking uh, back the kind of taking back the control of your life. Like you said, yeah, like, I'm not a victim of my life anymore, but I'm going to create the life I want. Exactly. Yeah. And I was surrounded by people, you know, it was, I got into the adult world and, mm. you know, had, and I had to send out back, there were over 100 applications and I sent the rejections to all of them <laughs> and everything. And, and it really, and I couldn't believe that I got the job. I couldn't. And so many people asked me, like, how did you do that? And I said, like, for real? I mean, because many people thought you don't even, you didn't even graduate. Why would you get it? And I said, you know, because I'm me. I cannot mm. tell you why, but it is sometimes. Yeah. It's meant, and the why is because I did it differently. I was the only one going there personally. Yeah. Because I had some circumstances I had to deal with and manage them what not everybody had so and this was basically the my personal realization that no matter how stupid the situation seems and how challenging the circumstances seem focus on the solution and trust it's gonna be all right yeah yeah you know these moments of crisis it's hard to say i love them because they are fucking hard to leave and sometimes even horrible and you just want to get out i call it in resilience i have three levels i consider three levels of tough times let's say and a resistance if the tougher the time the tougher the resistance you will have and the crisis tough time is the top one like this is just the no one you just want to get out of this you just want to live back when just before but you can't and so these moments they are really precious because they they transform ourselves into someone who just think we didn't even think we could do. We didn't even think it was possible for us or available. And they really push yeah. us through something. And hopefully if, if we have the resilience at that time to go over it, to go through it, then 
in the other end, there is a butterfly and it's, it, usually it's beautiful and we are, yeah, we are birthing into something we didn't even think was possible for us. So these are powerful moments. And as you say, most of the time it's like, I don't even know how I did this. It's just not when your rational mind is, cannot wrap this. Uh, it's not rational. It's coming from way deeper. And maybe you're full safe. Maybe in those moments, that's when we use all of what I call our intelligence. It's not only your rational mind, but everything is aligned in you towards what you have to do because there is only like it's either I go forward or I die today. So I'm going for <laughs> this kind of sense of emergency, right? Yes, it is kind of sense of emergency. And in, in your way, you, uh, you just mentioned there is like to go back. There was no yes. to go back. Yeah, yeah. No, in those moments, there is no going back. Yeah, there was, there was no solution. And on the other hand, I just, you know, it was... And I think I wouldn't even think why I got it. It was only that people would ask me, why did you get yeah. it? Why didn't I get it? And I was like, like me, <laughs> just ask the hiring manager, you know. And then I just started to think that's actually real. Because back then I didn't have the understanding what I have it today, mm. what I've got today. So, um, and what I managed, and this is maybe the, the biggest I mean, like, you know, all the things were going on and I was working then seven days per week because the apprenticeship meant to work. So I was working seven days per week. It was a very challenging time throughout the whole way. And my biggest, biggest goal was, and this was the only goal, and this is what I wanted to say about how life is not happening mm -hmm. to you, but for you, you have to make a decision and see the big picture for you. And this is going to allow you to create the resilience no matter how tough the time is. And I went through such times, like very, very hard times, three times in my life. Mm. This one was the longest period where I just had like really over years, even over a decade to struggle. Then later on, it was like for a few months, but I made the decision that no matter what it takes, I'm going to make sure that my brother this human being who has the right, like every other kid as well on this planet, has at least the ability to live the life he wants to have right. and not to be stuck in, in the low vibrations, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. You know, just see that there is a world, see that there is a world full of opportunities and go for it and know that, they can, that he can go for it. It is said that kids... You know, we are getting programmed until the seven, until we are getting at the age of seven. So this is where you can get your consciousness. And afterwards, you just have, before that, you have a lower vibration in your mind. You have, you have the whole visions and the dreams because you don't, you are, you are not programmed yet. And afterwards, we are programmed and this is how you face your reality, just due to your whole unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. And then you can reprogram it and what I tried to do with my brother for years is to reprogram and to allow him to see that there are different ways. And he is now an engineer. He is in Munich, has, you know, all his life, mm -hmm. his beautiful and fulfilled and healthy life. And I cannot tell you how happy I am about that because he went to, to a private school that was my financial price ever. <laughs> but I thought I have to take him out of the whole environment to allow him to see something different. Right? Right. 
So no matter what you're doing in life, and this is what I would like to share with everybody, no matter how, um, when you fall down, it's just, you know, take your time, be gentle to yourself, surround yourself with people who are helping you, and then move on and attack again. There is not such a failure what will not benefit you or any experience what will not give you any kind of support in the future. I truly believe in that. Yeah, in the long term, right? Because most often when we have a like, crisis or a challenge, it's like, it feels like it's the end. Like, but it's not the end of the movie, right? Our life will go on, but it really feels like, oh my God, there's nothing after that. So yeah, that's an important one. And I feel like, I, I mean, I have the impression that in your life, something that's helped you uh, in a way finding resilience for yourself was being actually responsible for your brother at a very young age. So you had to um, not only be responsible for yourself, but if you failed, that had repercussion for him as well, which is really huge. Yes, and that was like lots of pressure. Mm. I felt the pressure even back then. Yeah. And this pressure, by the way, almost broke me at some point because it was, I mean, you know, I'm laughing now and um, I, this is a story what I can tell you after yeah. clarifying, understanding and um, making you know, conscious mm -mm. awareness and all the things about certain situations. But back then the pressure almost broke me in the way that I thought, you know, it was every single day, seven days per week. I had to even work with 40 degrees when I had fever because I just needed the money. Mm -hmm. So it was just no way during Christmas, December, I will never ever forget, like super sick. But, you know, put on and you just go through. And yes, you can call it resilience. I Today, I would recommend everybody to be more gentle and kind to yourself. Yeah. Actually, uh, there is, um, it's not what I call resilience. And um, I think we, we have, um, we could talk about this because there is, it's not the end of the story. You went on and you created a great life, a life that many, many would call successful life. But then you had another you took another direction. And I, I feel like it's in the, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like in the first part of your life, anyway, you have to do it. So you did it as you could. And I can totally relate to that actually, because it's, it's what I did as well with my life. <laughs> first, I thought resilience was pushing through, you know, like you can do it. And anyway, and like you say, it's like, there is no backwards anyway, so just do it. And I thought that was resilience. Later on, much later on, I found that resilience is actually something very different. And that is kind of, yeah, happy mask or some people call it strength. It's actually very weak, I, I think, because there is no flexibility in that whatsoever. But so tell me, what, uh, what was from that you went to the successful life but then you'll find another trajectory and let's talk about resilience because i know it's a big thing for you as well <laughs> i know we connected yeah. on that a lot <laughs> yes and like you've said it's the flexibility and mm. so the, the question is how can you create and strengthen your resilience muscle without being forced in a situation like i got forced in many situations yeah. 
<clears throat> in order to be able to then um, be strong in situations when you face them and you don't choose them. And when I say strong, I mean also to have your own boundaries and feel the fear and be able to feel the fear, be able to feel any emotions which are not super uh, hyped on social media or anywhere else um, and just tune into yourself and give yourself the permission to do so. So after creating, after my brother graduated um, at university, I went later uh, to university as well, graduated. And back then I was just certain that, you know, whatever is coming up, I'm going to manage it anyway. Mm. I knew I can even survive with 50 euro if I have to. I know how to do that. So there is basically no, no not the fear of financial mm. um, restrictions anymore in such a way. Of course, I still want to have... Um, lots of stuff, but I was then um, with our men together and we created a company with each other, you know, like lots of success from actually broke to lots of money, yeah. Yeah. sailing boats, having the house, having the cabrios and all the shizzle, what you think is the success in life. And I went to university and graduated and all the things, but, and was successful in, in, corporate and I still love what I did this is not it was not the topic but in 2016 a dear friend and this is what comes to resilience if you wish um, he got diagnosed with a burnout this is what you can get diagnosed here in Germany but not in every single country mm. um, two weeks later Actually, two or three weeks later, he collapsed in the middle of the night in the bathroom, broke his shoulder, went to the hospital and got then diagnosed with brain cancer and had three tumors in his wow. brain. And I've been working quite a lot over the whole years. And this is basically just part of me. I had to mm. go far, far and do lots of things and still realize that I am just, you know, this is part of me. I love it. Nobody mm -hmm. understands it, but this is me. I had to understand it as well by myself. But during the path, he got sick. I went then to Thailand for two weeks and um, attended my first yoga teacher training in Thailand. And my dear friend, one of my best friends I mentioned at the beginning, uh, her, it was her husband. And she just called me and told me, listen, when you're coming back, don't, don't be scared. And he lost his cognitive abilities mm. within within weeks like not months weeks yeah and we had to take care of him 24 7 uh, they were living in the fourth floor and there was like no lift so we had to organize someone to take him out mm. we, she has a daughter so we had to make sure that you know everybody 24 7 mm -mm. someone is taking care of and this was one of the challenging times um, to be part of this journey with them. Because like always, you know, I try to provide as much help as possible um, for her for her and for her daughter and for him. And actually we the two of us we had always an interesting relationship because he's he was very him and I was very me, kind of, you know. Uh, we had different perspectives on different things, mm -hmm. um, but in in his um, in the in 
during the way how he got sick, he accepted mainly help from his wife or from me. And it was the realization how close you can get with someone without speaking mm. because he was not able to speak anymore as well, yeah. very fast. So we were talking only with eyes. Yeah. And I remember sitting at the balcony in, in Germany, in Munich, and it was beautiful weather. I just gave him his eyes. He was very ice oriented. This was about the whole medicine. So he was craving ice almost all the time. And I was sitting there with my laptop working for a huge corporate here in Germany. And he told me, yes, you work a lot. I think that were the last words he would speak to me. Mm. Um, and he passed away within a few months, um, the same year. And during the whole process, I was just asking myself, at the end of the day, is this really the life? true to myself and not mm -hmm. to others because I had the money, I had the success, the apartment, the position and all the things, you know what I like. Yeah. And even the realization where I came from and what I reached was like really amazing. And I just thought it's gonna be, I need to discover myself more <laughs> and I have to face what is in me and I want to do it. And I think I just felt a little bit part of my ego died within the month. And if you know what ego is, it's basically the part of you which is beating you up, but it's also the good part of you who is making you go, go, go. Mm. And the best way is to create a harmony there. So I went um, to India for a six months, 1,100 hours yoga teacher training. <laughs> Um, and this was, by the way, the resilience training ever. <laughs> so you imagine, I just came from Munich. I paid money. Mm -hmm. I got treated, you know, you have to do with the top management. It's all the high vibe life, etc. And then I came to India, to North India, small, small town, Tibetan, refugees tibetan monks and indians were living there and i was living with them munich city center north india <laughs> i mean i think more diversity is not possible at least from my from my in, in one shot yeah um so i and i was there alone uh, so i left my uh, my partner we back then and left uh, my job and I refused to go for an sabbatical. But wait a minute, wait a minute. When you say I left, it's not bye-bye and I'm coming back soon. It's like farewell and, and have fun without me. It's a kind of break it, it, ties. It, it, uh, yes, it was, it, we didn't break up officially or something like that. It was just for me that I said, I'm, I still love you, but I love myself as well. And I know that either I go now or never. Yeah. But I mean, also you know, for your job, it's, it was you didn't go on a sabbatical or something. It's you left your job totally, right? It sounds like a reset, actually, <laughs> like coming back to who am I? Okay, let's find out. <laughs> kind of. Yes, and it, it, I, I didn't. Uh, it can be looked at. You can look at it as a reset, and mm -hmm. for me, it was more about go further, expand okay. and evolve yeah. further. Yeah. Um, and I knew it's going to be super hard for me. Like, 
in any possible way. And I just thought, what would I do if I would die tomorrow? Mm. And the answer was, I got very comfortable in my world. Um, and even during the challenging times, I knew how to treat myself, where to set boundaries, where to, you know, how to make sure that I able to help her daughter because I picked her up from the kindergarten, how to work, take my laptops. So it was challenging, but I am able to deal with many things. And I wanted to look into myself and see if there is still something that is unsolved after so many years and see what I can really, how can I evolve as a human being? Mm -hmm. And how can I see a different world? So I was very good in the Western world. I graduated. I was, I still love my, what I do, but I wanted to expand it in such a way that, you know, it will be different. And again, maybe you can call it, I might was looking, I wanted to stay maybe the weirdo and not be whatever I don't, <laughs> I can not consciously for sure, but yeah. I went to India and went there for, through a process, six months, 1,100 hours, we started in the 5 or 6 a.m. in the morning, intensive yoga, advanced anatomy, um, psychology, and many things weren't, of course, far away from me because I graduated, was in the human resources department, working with people and for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. um, but anatomy and even the physical, whole physical and the, yeah tasks asanas and breath work mm -hmm. has been in such an amount very challenging because i came from an office straight three to four hours on a mat yeah and i was teaching back in munich yoga as well uh, after my office job but it was really not compared you cannot compare the work mm -hmm. yoga in india with what uh, what i was used to and it was very challenging after i think three months i almost uh, broke up and thought i give up i just oh, wow. gonna go back yeah um first of all i was um, missing my partner because we we didn't have you know he respected and he knew that i'm he said i'm a flower when he's gonna pick me up and take the water yeah. i'm not going to be his flower anymore like you know when you make a decision and own it and own your power. The surroundings, when they are fine with themselves, they're gonna mm -hmm. understand no matter what. They are only attacking you when they have fear. And this is of course reasonable for many times as well, but when they are, are fine with themselves, within themselves, they are not going to attack you when you make a decision, when you own your power. Um, and this is, I started to miss him and then I thought, okay, I started to miss my colleagues. I started to miss my job. I started to, to miss my, my comfort at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, okay, tune into yourself, meditation. And you know, a lot of shifts. And this is what I want to mention is that yourselves, right? I was used to lots of, lots of, um, uh, things which are kind of like normal in our society so my body was very very used to lots of cortisol right the yeah. stress hormone what we have on a regular basis so my cells would get and get more and more and i've learned even in india you know you can even increase your level because your homeostasis when they get all the time the job to <laughs> reduce your 
high level of cortisol, they increase it automatically at some point. So my body was used to have a lot of cortisol, but my body was not used to get a lot of dopamine. So the happiness uh, hormones, and mm -hmm. I was so happy there that and my cells started to shift. And when you start to shift, and this is what everybody has to understand, when you change something on a physical level and on a mental level, the shift is the time where you start to self-sabotage yourself. When you start, your cells start to vibrate and your cells, you know, the, the memory of your cells starts to shift. So I had so much dopamine <laughs> in a good way because of the asanas, you know. Uh -huh. Like I started to take care of my hormones with the, this is what I've learned, uh, by the way, within the six months that my body started to, you know, my mind is like, what the heck is going on? I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, you start to share. Right. Yeah. In those moments where you're really transforming, but your mind doesn't recognize it. So you're like, what's exactly. happening? What is this? Shit? Yeah. My cells started to shift. So my cortisol went down. My stress level went down. Dopamine went up <clears throat> in a good way. This is what I wanted. But when my cells started to shift, I just started to self-sabotage and I thought I'm going to break up. But I didn't. I just went for two weeks. We had a break. I went for two weeks uh, to Europe, um, checked everything out, said hello, was on a wedding from one of my dear friends. Um, so I went to Europe to attend the wedding of them. And I realized, yes, I can go back for another three months mm. and do it. Um, and after finishing the whole six months with 1,100 hours, I evolved and expanded in the way I, I think I craved for, to be honest. Yeah. And would it be fair to say that you, what you just said, in a way you wanted, you were craving, you were mm -hmm. half conscious about that? Like you're on an unconscious level, yes, you were craving it, but on a conscious level, you were not imagining it as it turned out to, to be. Yeah. So when you live yoga, and I don't talk about asanas or breath work or mm -hmm. anything, about the detachment of your yeah. thoughts, attachment of your ego and the consciousness that you can connect with your higher self and that you are the master of your mind if you wish and not the victim of unvolunteer thoughts anymore i mean this is something what you have to grasp after living in a western life and i got in touch with it in my first yoga teacher training but it was very asana and, you know, meditation oriented. Mm -mm. But I went into the deep yoga philosophy um, in, in India. And after realizing and really getting it. So one thing is knowing something and another thing is yeah. living something. Yeah. So I started to live it. And I'm not saying, again, it was the easiest thing after leaving the yoga teacher training, yoga teacher and therapist training, because I went then to Goa and was, was there leadership coaching, yoga, meditation, helping women. Um, and I would find myself over and over again in the mode where I've been throughout so many years. But then I realized, okay, I have the knowledge. Now I have to start to apply it. 
And at some point you start to live it. You know, you have to be yeah. again throughout the process. And this is resilience. If you wish, you know something, then you coach yourself. Mm. So you apply it. And at some point you trust the process that you're going to live it. Yeah. Well, that's so juicy and full. And we're coming to the end of this episode. And there's a question that I ask all my guests. And that is, what makes you feel alive? <laughs> That's such a good question. To be quite uh, frank, every single day is something else. Like almost <laughs> every single day is something else. So what, what I think, let me think, what makes me feel alive? And uh, because I'm just trying to, to share something, what is maybe not... To be quite frank, what makes me feel alive is that I'm a free spirit, that I trust the process and I can go for whatever I want every single day because I just made a decision to live a life true to myself and not to others. I oh, think that's, that's maybe one of Yeah, that's beautiful. Love it. <laughs> so guys, this conversation could go just for hours and hours and hey, wait, that's cool. We have about two coming in. So we have about two scheduled for next week. For now, we're going to wrap up for today. You can connect with Sylvia on her website, sylviajagla.com. And it's written S-Y-L-V-I-A-J-A-G-L-A, Sylvia with a Y, jagla.com. You can find her on Instagram as well, Sylvia Jagla again. She's part of a very cool event that's going to be in Berlin on the 1st of March. And it's called... It's called Women's Talk Life, Freedom to Follow Your Dreams. It's going to be, well, actually, we will talk about that on the coming episode next week. But if you want to find more, you can already jump on Facebook, Women's Talk, and you can get your tickets there. There is a Facebook event. And of course, as usual, all the links will be on the show notes for this episode on the website, IntegralliAlive.com. So if you want to know more, IntegralliAlive.com, you will have all the links. For now, that's the end of this episode. Thank you, Sylvia, for being here today, for sharing so openly your story and what you, what you learned from that. That was really juicy, really interesting. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you, like always. <laughs> Shared pleasure. And I hope it was a pleasure for you too, as well, or listening. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And if you like what you hear, check the website integralialife.com for the show notes and leave a comment as well. I love reading your feedback. Subscribe to the podcast, rate it on iTunes. You will help more people get access to this information. And till next time, until then, keep sparking life and going from a live-ish to a live. Bye-bye. À bientôt.